Hello, and welcome to The Art of Growth. I'm Jim Zartman, and today, Joel and I are going to continue our series on the instincts in preparation for panels around the instincts coming later this season. A lot of times you can just jump into any single episode, but this episode is building on the last two. And so if you have not heard the previous two, the first one just called Instincts and the second one called Subtypes, you need to hear those before we jump into this. Because today we are talking about integrating the instincts and why that's so important. But before we get into this week's episode, we have an announcement. We have an instincts test you can take on our website, www.theartofgrowth.org, for free right now. There was nothing out there that we could find to really help people find out their dominance instinct and show their instinctual stack, so we built something for you. I'm thrilled that we're able to offer this tool. There really is nothing like this out there. And so we are just thrilled that we're able to do this for you. It's it's true to our mission, our purpose of trying to help you grow and providing the tools that help you do that. We know not everyone can afford group coaching, let alone individual coaching. And so we want to have as many free tools out there as possible for those who are taking the DIY approach to your own Enneagram growth and journey. So if you look behind the scenes at The Art of Growth, some of the income of the company goes back into providing free content like this podcast and other tools so that we can help everyone out there who wants it. One thing you can do for us is leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show. Follow us at Art of Growth on Instagram. And if you are interested in individual coaching or corporate training and coaching for your organization, reach out to us at theartofgrowth.org because the professional is personal. And if we're not increasing our emotional intelligence, our leadership in the next economical evolution is not going to hold up which is why we believe that personal growth is not for the individual. It's not just for the person doing the growing. It is for everyone around them. So if this is increasingly coming on your radar in your organization, please reach out to us at theartofgrowth.org and contact Suzanne York, and she can help you figure out what your organization needs to do with emotionally intelligent change management to provide a more stable, efficient, and growing organization. Okay? Let's get into this week's episode about integrating the instincts. Welcome, everybody. We are so excited to be talking to you again about instincts. Mm. And is, your reactions have already been amazing. It's been amazing. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you so much. And thank you for your questions, too. My goodness, yeah. some of your questions have helped me understand things even more. I think we're just sort of exploring and understanding even more what it means to have these instincts within us. And so, when we talk about these, we're not saying that you only have three instincts. We're saying that there are three instincts that are sort of Mm -hmm. categories for a lot of things that are happening within us. And so, we talked about that a lot in the previous podcast. Please listen to that if you haven't already. And so, we're talking about self-preservation, sexual and social. And for each of us, there's a sequence. There's a sort of order to them. There's one that we would say is dominant, which means you probably have the majority, maybe two out of three, of the aspects of that of that instinct. 
Yeah, we've seen two out of three. There's sort of subcategories within that instinct. And if you have two out of three of those subcategories that really resonate with you, you probably exist in that. And so those will resonate with you if that is your dominant instinct. Yeah. And then there's one that we would say is neutral. It doesn't really create any reaction in us. Either way, it's like, well, I can do it. Yeah, It's not I my favorite it. thing to do, but I'll do yeah. it. And we have called that the second. Now, others will call that the third. It, it doesn't really matter to me. What matters to me is that there's one that's dominant and that there's one that we pay less attention to. It's neutral. Yeah. And that there's one that's neglected. We like to call it the third instinct. And that's the one that's neglected, repressed. um, Falls out of view. There's different ways that people talk about it. And we'll just get you into the lingo. Like, yes, they'll call it a lot of different things. They'll call it repressed. They'll call it neglected. We'll call it falls out of view. Called it your forgotten instinct or whatever. For our purposes, we'll call it the neglected instinct. Yeah. Because that'll just give us clarity in our lingo for, for our purposes right now. We'll call your third instinct the neglected instinct. And that one may be the one you, you kind of start to pick up on whether it, that one is or isn't because when you have to deal with it, it really causes some reaction to you, some emotional kind of strong feeling about that instinct. Which can be resistance. It can be repression. But we do have a reaction to that instinct that is not like celebratory or this yeah. is great for me or I know I need this. There's some kind of a pull back energy that we have with that instinct. Yeah. And when we talk about the instincts, we're, we're talking about how do you relate to all three? Because you have right. all three within you. There's a sort of relationship that we have with the different aspects of those instincts. Yeah. And then we create all sorts of stories, values around them. Values is, I think, one of the best words because it's something – An instinct is almost like an ingrained value system that, as my teacher would put it, we only see in the rearview mirror. Mm. We notice it after the fact. Mm. We don't actually notice that we're doing it. There is an automatic nature to it with the instincts, and it is a drive. That's a good word for it because we are driven by that Mm -hmm. instinct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Driven. Our attention goes there. Yeah. The energy of our body, mind, yes. heart all goes all towards All of those it. words. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. we use those a lot. Like where the attention goes, the energy follows. Yeah. You know, your values create your reality. Like all of that. And so much of that comes from our dominant instinct. Yeah. Yeah. And when our dominant instinct is being threatened, we have reactions around it. We'll value it. We'll argue. This is, this is where conflicts happen a lot more yeah. probably in relationships at work is around the instincts. And so maybe we start with self-preservation instinct yeah. and let's talk about the self-preservation as the dominant instinct. So many of you, of course, will relate to this, that there's you have dominant instinct around the aspects of, say, health and well-being. You think about that. I was talking to someone the other night who was saying, oh, I love my sleep. You know, I clearly rang the bell for all of the, nearly all of the Mm self-preservation aspects and wanting to like, I need that in order to then re-engage the world. I need my rest. I need my time, you know, and then I can re-engage and and do some people stuff. Um, It's like the self-resources, the energetic self-resources, the economic self-resources, the physical well-being resources. Those are tuned into those resources. Yeah. Uh, Maintenance, fixing things. So if you have that as your dominant instinct 
And let's say, let's play this out because we want to talk about how to integrate the one that's repressed. If you have, say, you're strong in self-preservation, but you're neglecting the social instinct, what's going to happen is that your gift, which is an intelligence, your dominant instinct has figured out how to work its way through the world and does a lot of good for uh, yourself, for your family, for those that you care about, but it has a limit. If there's a part that's neglected, that neglected part actually limits your gifting and your strength. And so your repressed limits the strength of your dominant. It does. Yes. It does. It, it. it limits it. And we think that by pressing more into the dominant instinct that, you know, we can really do even more through it. Uh, yeah. You know, we can assure ourselves of comfort. We can assure ourselves of having enough. And uh, it actually stops working. And it stops working because we're neglecting something. And it's most likely our repressed instinct. Yeah, and we talk about type this way too. I've been talking to different clients about this, how, you know, a personality is basically too much of a good thing. You know, your dominant instinct is like too much of a good thing. It's it's something that we overuse. It becomes an exaggeration that needs the integration. Yeah. So, for example, if you're great at taking care, having the nest, and making sure that you have enough resources and so on for the family. Self-pres value, yeah. Self-pres value. And you're ignoring adaptability, or reading and interpreting, which are the social, yeah. social instincts. You can be meeting all the physical needs, mm. but not reading at all what's going on <laughs> in, in what the real needs of, of those who are in your circle. Which makes you, know. you underprepared, actually, resources. Yeah, it, it's, it's remarkable how that works. <laughs> yeah. and, and so this is what we mean by like your level of awareness, your level of intelligence. It's a powerful gift. Imagine if you could bring just a little bit of the other in there and what that could do for you. And so, it'll feel really difficult. It'll feel uncomfortable when you lean into some of the uh, neglected aspects of that other instinct. But what you'll notice is as you say, okay, let me bring that in. And here's where I want to say, and this will be useful for, for the rest of the conversation, is, is you look for where the neglected instinct is. You say to yourself, okay, Does the situation right now require, does this situation, this conversation, this interaction, what instinct, I should say it this way, what instinct does it require? Mm. Because your automatic is to go with your instinctive instinct. You don't think. You just do it. Hence the rear view mirror analogy. Exactly. Just like that. Exactly. But that situation may not require that. It may be asking for, can you bring in a little bit of more of the sexual instinct in? Yeah. Can you bring maybe a little bit more of the social in this moment? And so you can call on that. It's within you. You can call. It's not like as if you're having to go outside of yourself. It's all present within you, but it's just calling up a little bit more of that. And you don't have to do a ton of it. It's not like you have to have a 33-33-33 split between all instincts. It's bringing in a little bit, and you'll watch as your dominant expands. It's, yeah. its gift or its capacity expands. Yeah, because you expand as a human. Like, this is the thing is we have our preferences and our value systems, and we do. We overuse them. They're too much of a good thing, and we're actually limiting ourselves. Yeah. So, a lot of times we have a value that says that, which is our repressed instinct, is not as important. Yeah. I don't value it enough. And There's this weird voice, and I have experienced this personally with my repressed instinct when I first started to realize this, of going, I thought if I leaned into that, that would make me less of myself. Yeah, oh yeah, that's a good point. I thought it would actually reduce my strength, but the truth of the matter is, integrating that instinct 
which for me was self-prez while we're talking about it. That was my lowest instinct. Integrating that more actually expanded my capacity, expanded my eightness, expanded my capacity for my social instinct to thrive. All of that because Mm. it, it creates more of you. You actually expand. And I think when it comes to the repressed instinct, the story we tell ourselves is that to move in that direction, we're actually going to become less of ourselves or we're going to lose part of ourselves yeah. in that process. Yeah. And I think if you if we think about, you know, our upbringing early on in life, we may have dabbled a little bit in the area of the repressed and then found out that we were really not that great at it. Maybe we got some negative mm-hmm. feedback. Maybe we failed in a particular area. And so we then shut that whole thing down and said, forget it. Like, you know, say you're not very good at uh, making money and, you know, you you failed and your failure was in the area of uh, resources. Yeah. Well, then. It was just never demonstrated for you in your home. It was never a value. So it just was not really something that was you you saw as a valuable thing. Because, I mean, if you grew up in a certain kind of home, there may have just been like. Well, those people who are real concerned about their money and their health, they're just very self-absorbed. Yeah, oh yeah. The the value system of someone who is not self-preservational can look at the self-preservational and see it as selfish or self-absorbed. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we hear that. We hear that from people who think like, because I'm self, I have a lot of the self-preservation instinct, that makes me feel selfish sometimes. That makes me feel self-absorbed. And and so there's there's a lot of harm that happens mm-hmm. in social gatherings in social groups whether family or or some other gathering where because people are invested in whatever that they're doing they bring their instinct with them and then it creates this sometimes shaming around right. like you're not enough of this you're not enough of that and we absorb those messages so yeah that's a really good point yeah so how did you integrate well i would say i am in the process of integrating i definitely still have um, lots of reactions around. You haven't totally arrived yet? No. Oh, gosh, me neither. No, <laughs> no, no. no. Oh, I mean, I have totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Not at all. Yeah, well, integrating. What is the process well, for me, of integrating? It's, it, it is really a relationship. Like, I don't know that there's a goal that I have in mind of like, I need to be here with my self-pres, which is my neglected center. Right. But what I recognize is that when there's a problem, and this is where I, th- I say to people, like, don't, tinker too much on yourself in the sense of trying hmm. to figure out what's my motivation do i am i doing the right thing and hmm. because you can get into analysis paralysis and instead be observant like be aware like is there a problem right now that's happening and if there's a problem it'll probably tell you it's because you overplayed your dominant instinct or because you're not paying attention to your yeah. your repressed instinct and so it's at that point that you say oh right okay this is where i need to grow right so this is the sort of dance with the with the path with the journey yeah. is really like okay it's not under my control to fix myself all the time it's what's this interaction I'm experiencing with the world with life mm-hmm. with my family with my friends that's evoking something it's it's making me resistant reactive to something that's a good indication I might need to do some work here yeah and so for me it's been asking myself that question regularly what does this situation require? What instinct? Yeah. And when I know I have to do self-preservation stuff, every time I have a reaction, it's less and less as mm-hmm. I do it, but it still creates this like, Ugh, mm-hmm. here we go. Yeah. So what does the idea of well-being bring up in you, dear listener? So like this idea of like the caring for the body 
of actually eating foods that your body likes and loves mm. that makes them feel good as opposed to just satiates some other part of you. The idea of movement, moving your body, integrating your health and your well-being, integrating your finances. Like some of you, the most transformational habit you could take this year is getting out of debt mm. or not making something about losing weight but paying attention to your well-being. What do you need? Are you super stressed and you actually need to do breathing exercises or take a bubble bath or something to like care yeah. for yourself, like integrating, you know, that aspect of it. And it's not a retreat into self as opposed to um, neglecting the outside world, but how do you integrate yourself so it functions better in the outside world? Yeah. Yeah. Right on. I think this, so if we were to play this out with all three instincts, if your repressed instinct is the sexual instinct, yeah. That, again, may limit your intelligence of your dominant instinct. Yeah. And so what you're going to want to practice sometimes is, is asking yourself that question again. Does this require a little bit more energy and intensity than I'm ready to call up right now in myself? Yeah, because there is an intensity to there it. There is an <laughs> intensity to exchange. And we have gotten this feedback and every single Enneagram teacher receives some kind of feedback or the pushback against the term sexual um, uh, they want to yeah, use one-to-one yeah, yeah, yeah. or what is it, transmitting. Transmitting, yeah. Even though, because it's not really always transmitting. It can also be receiving. These intimacy, you know, yeah. all of these different words where they're trying to like avoid the word sexual. But I think there's a couple of reasons for that. And there's a reason why we stick with it. One of the reasons I think people resist to it is because of our American culture and what that word has been turned into. That it necessarily has to do with sex. Right. And the sexual, the connection, intensity, the evolutionary drive, as I like to call it, is I think a good way to describe that instinct and the way it feels, the way we receive it. It's a lot more about the taking the risk to in order to perpetuate growth. It is the mm -hmm. seed dying in the ground coming forward. It is the the bird putting on its beautiful colors and f flaring them up in order to um, to create a strong species in order to make your yourself and your species thrive mm. um, when I think of like the most beautiful expression of like the sexual instinct I think of that show planet earth mm. and in one of the opening yep. episodes they had the birds of paradise yeah and these inc Stunning. incredible looking birds who were basically show off or they'd build this nest or they'd do this dance and they'd make these sounds in order to attract a mate to perpetuate and strengthen the species. And so I don't think there's a better term for it. Mm. I don't know if it's just people who that is their repressed instinct that they resist that word or that term, but there's an energy to it. For me, it's neutral. So I'd never really had a problem with it. Mm -hmm. It just feels neutral <laughs> to yeah, me. Sure. But... At the same time, I can understand people like cringing because when we talk about the values, there is a story we tell ourselves about the sexual instinct that it's showy, it's somehow not moral. There's that part that gets attached to it. There is a resistance to it as it's also wasteful. Yeah, wasteful. <laughs> wasteful like all over this the energy, top. all this excess, yes. all this. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that, the intensity, there's a resistance to that intensity. Um, it's interesting when I think about the values of someone who has that as their dominant instinct, that they understand that 
hey, if we want to move forward, we have to be willing to take this risk. Yeah. Evolution is always happening. Change is always occurring. You look at history, and so how do we actually be ahead of the curve? How do we, how do we move the line forward? How do we move people forward? That's the energy of that sexual instinct. That's the value. But there is a value that people pull against in it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up, and I wish there was a different word we could use that didn't have the reaction, cause yeah, the cringe, reaction the in cringe. folks. In business, of course, we don't, when we're you know doing some corporate coaching, we don't use that term. But I yeah, still tell them it exists. <laughs> Do you? Of course you will. That's, <laughs> of course, uh, I have to. Yeah. Yeah. And I do wish there was a different word, but there isn't right now that I think captures that as fully as that broader term sexual does. But it is that energy that seeks to move things forward, also have deeper connections with people. And that's why sometimes we need to call that up. Because if you're uh, great at the self-preservation aspect and you need to have that in order before you can think about sexual, (laughs) you need to feel like, okay, the home is in order, everything's fine, now we can have a, a deeper conversation. That time may never come. It may always be like, I need to have this, I need to have this. And at some point, you need to have that deeper interaction with the others in your in your circle. And sometimes you're going to have to push the envelope a little bit and have some risk and stretch yourself. And you're going to notice that. And you're going to notice your reaction and resistance to it. But in doing so, um, you'll find it also empowers your, as we've been saying, it, it empowers your dominant instinct as self-preservation. So, But yeah, it's asking yourself, like, is this... Can I, I had someone say to me, oh my gosh, it's so exhausting, Joel, and I know I need to do more of that. How can I do that when that person will probably drone on and on and have this deep interaction with me and talk mm-hmm. at me for like 40 minutes? And I'm exhausted by that. So I said, I said to her, give it 10 minutes. Give it a go, but give it 10 minutes. Like I'm all in for 10 minutes, but that's yeah, my limit. That's my cap. Fair. That's my cap. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's good. Fair. Yeah. That's fair. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And so you're doing the sexual, but you're not doing it to the degree that someone with a sexual instinct would. But it also keeps you from not doing it at all. Because if you if you fear it, like I can't control this and there it's coming at me, well, then you're going to avoid it and resist it all the time. If you know that I can bring a conclusion to this, I can do it for 10 minutes and bring a conclusion to it, then you're, mm-hmm. you'll be able to do it more regularly and it will have a positive effect on relationships around you. Yeah. I loved an example when we did a instincts workshop and they had an exercise around the sexual instinct where you know everyone got in a circle and they played music and then one by one people would come in the center and dance and dance yeah and yeah. dance in front of everybody it's kind of put this on and it was so funny where it seemed like the dominant people were like yeah it felt great it's just so great to just get out there and just like own the space and then then like I was neutral and so I was just like yeah it was just, it was fine I was fine doing it I didn't care if that I was out there and I didn't care when I was back on the side it was just very neutral to me and then for some people it was really uncomfortable mm-hmm. it was kind of like oh I just felt like I was so out there I felt exposed mm-hmm. intimacy is risk putting yourself out there is risky (laughs) yeah and so we need to integrate an energy that allows that to happen because we actually limit our capacity for intimacy if we do not integrate this instinct we limit our capacity to connect with people if we don't integrate this instinct yeah this is what's at risk and therefore this is something why we need to engage it and why it actually if you integrate the instinct, you expand. You integrate your capacity to have an intense experience, an intense interaction, to take a little risk. And there is a payoff to that. 
and you do feel more alive because part of this instinct is what makes us really feel alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And since we have them already within us, to repress it is actually to repress a part of who we are. Yeah. Again, it may not be, this is the whole of me. Right. But it is a part of you. Right. And so even if you're dominant in sexual or self-preservation instinct, but you're um, not in the sexual, that's your repressed, it's still a part of you. And when you bring that back in, even in small dosages, you're going to find yourself feeling more like yourself mm. and experiencing more of that sense of belonging. Belonging is a big deal for a lot of people right now in the world, and yeah. there's a lot of talk about it. And I think it has, you know, without getting into that as a topic right now, I think it has to do with to the degree that you can welcome back parts of yourself is also to the degree that you feel that sense of internal belonging. Mm. And so when we welcome back these instincts and say, yeah, they're a part of me, I'm uncomfortable sometimes with them, but they're a part of me, there's a sense of well-being on the other side of that. Yeah. So let's talk about integrating the social instinct. Yeah. And those who have social as their dominant, they're very concerned about the herd and how everyone's doing. And I can be in the middle of a piece of work as a social dominant person that I know I need to get done, but if someone like wants to interact with me and I can strengthen a connection or I can build a network or I can help connect that person to this person over here that can kind of take over and it can lose that sense. And so I think the instinct itself has this energy of connectedness of a wider circle of inclusion. And it is in a lot of ways, a belonging mechanism. <laughs> It absolutely is. That's one of the the geniuses about social instinct that I admire is that ability to read well, mm. to bring people in and mm -hmm. make them feel welcomed and make them feel a part of what's happening. And some of you who are of a particular type, you might say, well, I do that naturally through my type. That's absolutely true. <laughs> you mm -hmm. will. So imagine having the social instinct on top of that. It probably doubles down on on your type. But that is a genius I admire in the social types. And it is a powerful gift uh, when they do it. It gets limited, again, you know, when we don't integrate the other instincts. And so when you're reading the room and you're seeing, are we okay? Are you okay? How are things? But let's say you're not paying attention to self-pres, an aspect of it. Let's say health and well-being. Right. You're neglecting that in yourself. That means you're also not going to see it quite as well in other people. And so your care for the group is limited by the fact that you're not paying attention to self-preservation. Mm. Yeah, I could say that was true for me. <laughs> <laughs> I resemble that remark. <laughs> and so the more that you bring that in, and I don't know, if even in small amounts, the more you bring it in, the more you'll find yourself caring for the herd even better. Uh, we could say that about, you know, the sexual instinct, if its social types uh, are described sometimes by Enneagram teachers, other Enneagram teachers as you tend to run a bit cooler than, say, the self-preservation instinct or the sexual instinct, because it is more about the group. Mm -hmm. And so the individual interaction isn't always quite as fiery or as deep. Now, that gets right. changed a little bit by the different types. If you're a hard type, it's going to be a bit warmer and so on. Mm -hmm. But right. In general, that's how it works. And so you may be checking in with everybody in the group. Are we okay? Is that okay? But like sometimes it needs a deeper interaction with one person who will then become so animated because you did that, feel so 
seen and so cared for that then they serve the group even more so, right? Yeah. So that's where the intelligence of the social instinct is helped by having, let me lean a little bit into the sexual here because this seems like it requires that right now with this, this yeah. individual here. But if someone wants to dial up their social instinct and just explore that a bit more, I think that's just the most basic starting point is like reach out to an old friend. That's a so, very good suggestion. Yes. So someone you haven't talked to in a while, but you feel yeah. very warmly to, you haven't, you haven't had a chance, you know, it's COVID or something, like whatever the circumstance might be, but just set up a, like a phone call, just talk for a few minutes on the phone and see how you feel afterwards. Check in with how you feel about the interaction. You'll actually find yourself expanded. Like this capacity for bonding and affiliating, like knowing who your allies are, that the social instinct does. And there is some research around social instinct people. It's, it's easier to spot who would be a good mate, who would be a good friend, who would be a good partner in business, whatever it is. And there's an instinctual drive about that. Like, I just got to feel about this. This, mm. this seems like someone who's safe. And I think when that instinct is not been integrated and present, you're actually at a risk of knowing whether or not someone is trustworthy. Mm. Um, and so it does help you know how to navigate relationships and therefore you know how to navigate the world better i know some of that is value statements from my social instinct mm. but i see the value of it and i now i'm seeing the value of all the different instincts but i think from the social standpoint you know draw in old friends keep people close to you for a longer period of time who can watch your evolution but also keep you grounded because there's always this benefit to that. I was reading a couple, you know, memoirs about people who became very, very influential. And they talked about one of the things that kept them most stable was their oldest friends. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that there's an anchoring to the social. There's an anchoring in the herd. You still want to integrate your risk. You still want to care for yourself. But that one comes online last, both in the evolutionary process and in the human development because we have the body right off the bat, <laughs> you know, that self-pres instinct is there. We, our kids, we are immediately, the baby comes out of the womb, what do they say? Skin-to-skin -skin contact. Mm -hmm. Intimacy, connection, there's a spark in that. It allows us to connect relationally. And then the social comes online and we have to find our way in the larger world. So we actually want all of these things functioning well within us. Yes, we're going to have certain things that are a strength a bit more. But the more I work on integrating my neglected instinct, the more me I feel, the more capable I feel of navigating the world around me. And actually, I feel like I can do it with more hope. I have a better sense of belonging and I have more hope in my own future. Mm. That's really beautiful. I think about the need for the social instinct as a definitely as a belonging to the larger group, a sense of almost restfulness and like mm. uh, support and I'm good because yeah. I've got this community. So for those who tend more towards self-preservation, oftentimes they describe a higher level of anxiety. That may be in, due, in part due to having so much focus and attention to the material and the physical resources yeah. that sometimes there's a neglect in this space, you know, and – for social types who tend to think more in terms that the sort of bonding, affiliating, and having friends and allies and, and the herd, is that you also need some grounding. And sometimes it's the physical and the practical that helps you to get more grounded as totally. well. Yeah. But that's where 
each of us who are, if we don't have this social instinct, one of the practices I've had is when I'm in an environment that I know now requires more of the social instinct, Mm -hmm. is I recognize my natural starting point. So that's one of the helpful tips to all of us. Start with your, where are you right now? What's your natural starting point? Self-preservation. What's your natural starting point? Sexual. Okay, so it's not social. So recognize that. And then when you start in, either if the sexual instinct, pull back on that energy a little bit, go a little bit more of the lighter touch and just connection and how are you, how's the family, what's happening, you know, and kind of that sort of dialogue and do the things that you just mentioned, like reach out, call some people that you haven't talked to in a while. It doesn't have to be fiery and deep if you're a sexual type. Right. It just needs to be this touch point. It won't satisfy you entirely because you're looking for that depth as a sexual type. But what you're going to walk away with is what, what you were just talking about, Jim, yeah. um, is that you'll walk away with that sense of a good feeling of having made these connections. If you're a self-preservation type, rather than having to pull back on the energy – you may have to stretch yourself because the self-preservation instinct tends to kind of cloister, have its group, its, you know, smaller mm-hmm. environment. So, you may have to stretch yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. But as you do so and you have interactions with people to talk about how they're doing, you're going to find yourself also feeling a bit more connected to the world. And so, there's a, there's a wonderful sense, I think, about integrating these other instincts that makes you feel, as you were saying, makes you feel uh, more whole. and. Yeah. And there's a sense of self that is even greater as we do that. Yeah, there's something about integrating these instincts that um, makes you feel more whole. You know you're not as limited. Mm. So some of us walk around perpetually like aware of our limitations, what we're not able to do. And I'm noticing this pattern of the integrating the instincts, bringing in the neglected instinct and having it be more of a connected part of us reduces our limitation, actually increases our capacity, Mm. increases, you know, your relational capacity, your emotional capacity, your financial capacity, because you're able to connect in more ways. And so all of this actually enhances your life. And the whole point that we're talking about as far as integrating your life is not to heal something that's just broken. This is to enhance something. Mm. And it's an enhancement of what you already are. This is not become something else. This is not change and be someone else. This is be fully you. And when you are unaware and unintegrated in your neglected instinct, you are not fully you. All of you has not come to the table to bring the gift of you to all of us. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that was helpful to you. Go to theartofgrowth.org right now to take our instincts test and reach out to us if you are interested in individual coaching, group coaching, couples coaching, or training and coaching for your work team. Today's episode was edited by Sarah Atherton and produced by me, Jim Zartman, at Talkie Records Studio in Lynn, Massachusetts. And so to conclude this week, may you grow. May you lean into your gifts and may you lean into 
the integration of things that you have previously resisted, knowing that they will actually make you more whole. May you recognize the voice of love that has been ignored, that has been calling out to you to make you more of yourself, make you a fuller, more redeemed version of yourself, a more whole person, because that will be a gift to everyone around you. Have an amazing week, my friends. Thank you.